Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. You can turn in your Bibles over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to start in verse 12. So we hit the first 11 verses last week. Hopefully we're far enough along in Corinthians that you're getting an idea of what the city of Corinth was like. Right? We started out and, and wanted to paint that picture of this really kind of this melting pot of, of cultures and ideas, philosophers and, you know, these uh, the different trades and different, you know, just there, there was education. There was, you know, all of these different things going on, but it was this very diverse community. And so we learned that hopefully when we're reading that, we realized that the Corinthian church came from that city. All right, we're a product of where we live, okay? And, and, and so it's really important to know where we came from. We'll probably bring into the church what we've grown up with. And that's not to say that's okay to bring in, but it's the idea of God is going to continue to like mold us, okay? It isn't this idea of like, okay, I'm, perf- I'm, I'm, I'm a mess one day and I'm perfect the next day. We're a product of our environment around us. And so this letter to the Corinthian church is reminding them that a lot of the things they were doing that they needed to stop doing were simply things they had learned in their own culture. They they had learned this kind of weird, strange, what we would see really as strange worship, right? And different kinds of sacrifices. And there was a different sexual ethic, right? There was this idea of even temple prostitutes and all these things that were normalized, in the Corinthian culture. And so we get to piece that together as we read through this book, in particular, the first and second Corinthians. And, uh, and so hopefully we're getting this idea because I think what I'm understanding and I'm learning and I'm re- being reminded of over and over again is that we're not very different from the Corinthians. We, we come from a cult. Man, our, listen, our culture isn't naturally loving and humble, and moral, and all that, it it just isn't. It's about money, and power, and status, and comparison, and competitiveness, and we come from that, all right? And that's what the Corinthians really, really struggle with. They needed to know who was better in the church, and who was less, I mean, better if you can say that, right? Less best? (laughs) Help me, Michael, help me. But they needed to know. There was this pecking order they had to know, and I think that's a language we understand. Right? Like, we want to know who am I better than and who am I worse than. I don't have to be the best, but I shouldn't be the worst. All right? And, and think about how much energy and time goes into us trying to portray something that gets us ahead in that, whether it's education, whether it's, like, financial security, whether, whatever it is, we want to keep, like, besting somebody else. 
And that's exactly what was going on in the Corinthian church. They were really good at dividing into like these divisions of groups. Rich people and poor people and slaves and free and all of these things. They had all of these groups. And they all were trying to like figure out what their place was. They were really good at division. I hope you always remember that when you read Corinthians. Because we're really good at division. We're, we're really good at that, of, of trying to divide. Let me be in groups of people that are just like me. And let me be in groups of people who think just like me. And, let me, and, and agree with me. Okay, there's something very dangerous about that is the church was never built to be that way. All right? So if you're in a church and everybody is the same, then listen, you've got to start thinking, why is that? <laughs> the, the church needs to be. I mean, the, this is one of the things that Corinth, Corinth had going for it. It was this diversity of a lot of different things, socioeconomic, ethnic, all of these different issues, which was great. And it's awesome to say we want diversity, but to truly be unified in diversity is extremely difficult because it requires every single one of us to lay down our own, like, stronghold on our opinions and all of those things, okay? But this is what the church is supposed to be, a group of people who would never come together for any other reason except that they love Jesus, right? That means, as we've talked about, Republicans and Democrats, right? That, that means rich and poor. That means Bulldogs and Clemson Tigers. That mean, and, and you know what's crazy about that? Churches go cuckoo over these things. I mean, literally, there are brothers and sisters that hate each other because of a mascot, right? And I'm like, listen, man, if we're going to be the church that Jesus is really building, man, you know, we, we got to have the Notre Dame Irish, right? We got to have that. And Florida State Seminoles and, 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 and everybody coming together and going, when the world's all fighting and the Gamecocks and all that, and the world's all fighting, they're going, how do y'all love each other? All right? How do y'all love each other? You guys are from different countries. You guys are from, you grew up in different parts of the United States. You don't look the same. How do you, how do y'all love each other that way? That's the way the church is supposed to be. And this is what Paul is trying to like get them to buy into. Is rather than divisions. Now, one of the things that they really loved is they really got into the spiritual gifts. Like they liked to see what Paul was doing. Right? Whether it was speaking in a different language, healing. They were like, yeah. Especially like some of the rich folks. They were like, I want the awesome gifts. I want to be able to heal. I want to be able to speak in different languages. Right? And we're in this section of Corinthians that I call, like, there's a lot of eye candy. Okay, here's what I mean by that. There's a lot of these, like, sexy little words we like putting in there that, that is like, it's one of those things where it's like tongues, language, you know, healing, miracles, and all these things. And we immediately, like, get into that. Right? And we forget that Paul isn't even making a point about those things. We completely forget it because here's one of the things. I don't know about you, but when we're lacking courage to follow Jesus, you want to know what one of the things I want to get into is stuff that isn't calling me to do anything. When I'm really not courageous to follow Jesus, I want to find something in the Bible I can talk about, okay, that isn't going to ask me to do anything, all right, because then it kind of like pacifies my own like spiritual needs sort of and all these things. So let's read 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 12, Paul writes this, As the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, 
are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell, sense of smell be? But now God has placed each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Now there are many parts, yet one body. Okay. Fantastic illustration. It's awesome. He's talking about something we all are well aware of, right? Our own body and how it's many parts but one. Okay, but it's really fascinating because he reminds them, you were unified here. You were baptized into the body of Christ. All right, he, he's just stating that as a fact right there in verse 13. You were all baptized by one spirit into one body. And he said, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Greek. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, if you're a slave or a free person. It doesn't matter. And so Paul's trying to bring them back to this idea of oneness, of it doesn't matter what you see with your eyes. What the reality is, is the spirit that's living inside of all of you. Okay, and so the, the, again, you got a picture of Paul as kind of like this coach that's bringing the team together, right? And he's trying to remind them, you actually, as, even though you look different and act different and talk different, you're the same. Why? Because of Jesus, because he has put himself in you. And that's what's brought us all together here, okay? And then he, he begins an illustration, and he says here, um, and we need to pay attention to this, uh, verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. So Paul is directly speaking to a group of people. And what they're feeling is that they just don't belong. Like, I don't know, there's people better than me. There's people who have better gifts than me. Like, there's people doing things that I can't do. There's all of these things happening, and they're going, I just don't feel like I belong. All right? And, and, and Paul is like, no, that isn't accurate even here's the fascinating thing he says even if you think that it can't be true even if you think that it can't be true now here's one of the other things i'm going to really encourage us to do don't read this necessarily like it's just the two hour span on sunday morning don't read it that way okay is this idea of he's going, hold on a minute. He, he's already talked to us that he's equipped us to be beneficial to the body, to benefit the body of Christ. Everyone, according to how his will has decided. Okay, and that's a seven day a week thing. All right, so that's, that's what we have to think about. But he says, so if you're in this camp where you're going, man, I don't know. There's people that do great things. There's people all, man, it seems like I don't have anything. I must not belong. He's telling you, that can't be true. Just like a part of your body saying, well, because I can't hear, I must not be a part of the body. That doesn't make it true, okay? But he goes on here to, the, to another group, and he says, so the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Even more, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary, 
And those parts of the body that we think to be less honorable, we clothe clothe these with greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have a better presentation. But our presentable parts have no need of clothing. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it, and God has placed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, managing, various kinds of language. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak in another language? Do all interpret but desire the greater gifts. And I will show you an even better way. So he goes back and he says, okay, maybe you're in that camp where you feel like I just don't belong because I'm not measuring up. I don't have some spiritual gifts. Okay, he said, that's not true. But then he goes to the crew that's saying, that's actually telling people you don't belong. All right, and he says, just like like they can't feel, you can't tell another part of the body you don't belong. All right. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, it, you are in the body of Christ. It's that simple. All right. Now, what's fascinating about this section here, there's no practice. Like, he's not asking us to obey anything. All right. What he's asking us to do is believe that God did it perfectly. That God is making this happen right here. Okay. And so, again... What, what can take our attention oftentimes is that last section is prophets and all these things. And we start thinking like immediately, okay, um, who's the weak one? Who's the less honorable one? Who's the less presentable one? Who's the less? Because again, that's our worldliness, right? We have to know who's the one that needs more modesty. Who's the one that we need to like present? And I bet you all of our thoughts went there. Like, how do you know? I don't want to be that one. And you know what's fascinating is, is, is for Paul, it's just crickets. <laughs> for a very specific reason. It's not important that you and I know. <laughs> okay? And here's the other side of it is, you and I will be all of these at one point. All right? So again, as Corin- as, and I think we think like Corinthians, we're going, but man, I would love to be, you know, somebody that was presentable. I don't want to be the unpresentable parts. You know, I don't want to be the dishonorable parts. I don't want to be the weaker parts. All right, because we're thinking competitively. We're thinking disuni- in a disunified way. We're saying that the Holy Spirit only is strong in certain people. All right, do you see how like we're, our theology is like being diverted with that, okay? And he's saying you just can't think that way, all right? Everybody has something, nobody has everything. All right, that, that's important. Is this idea of do I actually believe that God knew what he was talking about when he invented the church? All right, because again, we, we live again in, in division, in, in times of division that we can just go off in 10,000 different ways of how we think it should be. 
there's two words. We, we need to pay attention to this right here, okay? Because this is what's going to help us. This is going to take us out of just philosophizing, okay? Here's the thing. If, if you leave here today and you try to figure out, like, am I the weak one? Who's the weak one? Who's, if you try to do that, then we failed. Okay, it's been a waste because that's not what Paul is talking about here. Okay, he says this, these two words, uh, verse 25 right there. Why did he, why is all of this true? So that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. Okay, here's the crazy thing is there's a lot of different, he's, Paul is saying there's different spiritual gifts that God will give you when you need them. And that means when he thinks you need them, not when we think we need them. He says, I'll do those things, right? Don't worry about that. And, and that's what they're getting wrapped up. And he says, but here, I'm going to give you guys something that everyone can do. You can have the same concern for every single person in the church. You don't ever have to worry if God has gifted you to do that. He's saying, this is the reason it's diverse. This is the reason why I'm bringing and trying to keep in mind this oneness. One thing that we can take away from this and be in the will of God is to say that, wow, God put the church together so there would be no division and each and every one of us would show the same exact concern for everybody else. All right. If that's not challenging to you, okay. I mean, I don't know if you're if you're sitting there going, no, I'm, I nailed this already. I'm like this naturally. I'm like, amen. That's awesome. I believe that person probably exists. But for the majority of us, our natural kind of bend is not to have the same concern. What we have concern for is our friends first. And people who are not like us last. All right, so you see, this takes work. This takes intentionality of going, oh man, if I'm going to be a part of the body of Christ, how can I have the same concern if I don't even know people except in my friend group? How can I live this out unless I'm willing to like spend some time together? And, and to, to break into maybe that awkward beginning of a relationship? Sometimes that keeps us away more than anything. It's like, okay, we're not alike. You're old, I'm young. You're white, I'm black. You're Republican, I'm Democrat. See, see here's the thing. What, what we would automatically do is start arguing about political policy. Right? I mean, that would be the worst thing, right? Is you sit down and <laughs> instead of having the same concern, you start fighting over, you know, masks and vaccines. I realized I probably just stepped on holy ground right there. But, but I'm just saying, I'm like, we're talking about the church here, right? So that means I have this same concern, all right? It's offensive to us, isn't it? Isn't it crazy? It's offensive to us. And so this is the crazy thing he's saying, so that that's the purpose of this section. The, the purpose of the church coming together isn't so I can find out what's wrong with every one of you, Okay? not the purpose. The purpose isn't so we can, we can know the dirt on everybody. It's so we'll have the same. So when they're suffering, we suffer together. All right. That's almost never heard of in a community. It's kind of like, oh, if it happens to someone else, it doesn't affect me as much. It actually takes some prayer. Like I have to pray for a soft heart. 
to be concerned about things that are personal to other people that aren't personal to me. For one reason, that we share the Holy Spirit together. Right? That's, that's the one reason. Not because we agree on everything, not because of any of those things, but for that very reason to show the same concern. We suffer with each other, and when one person is honored, we rejoice together. That should be the easy part, right? But have you ever had this happen before? You ever have somebody, something good happen to somebody, and it made you angry? Like, why'd they get that? How come he gets called to do that? How come, how come Carl got to do the welcome? You know, how come that guy gets to lead a family group? How come, this, you know, something happens and you're like angry? Is that, is that kind of a universal thing or am I that petty? Both may be true. Okay, I'm just saying, both may be true. But I'm just saying, man, I know what that feels like. Okay, and so he's saying that may be more difficult is when somebody's honored above me. Do I rejoice with them? Wow, what a community, right? How awesome is this? Right? This isn't something to be philosophized about. This is something that's like, no, this is how God is meant for it to be. And every one of us, you want to know what? Is we're part of the problem and part of the solution. Every one of us are. Okay, that's just true. All right? And so that's, this is where the individual accountability comes in is because it, it's like I'm part of this, okay? Come on, come on, come on. I want to call your attention to these three verses, okay? Because I think ultimately this is what Paul wants us to not lose sight of, is this isn't Paul's idea. In verse 18, God placed the parts just as he wanted them to be. God put the body together. God placed in the church different offices and different gifts. God did these things. And why do I put that up there? Because we kind of throw out this, this term like, like believing in God. And I'm going to tell you, that's one of the most difficult things I can ever do. Because I have to believe this completely. And what that means, you want to know what that means? That my way isn't the best way. My ideas aren't always the best ideas, right? My critique isn't always the right critique. It's going, hold on a minute. God, here's the deal. If I b truly believe in this God, then this changes the way I pray. Because rather than praying for God to maybe stop something I don't like, or maybe praying that, you know, God makes something more comfortable, is praying that, God, you want to know what? You invented the church to be perfect and loving and sharing this same concern for one another. Help me come under that. Help me be humble under that. At you as creator, you as the definition of love and mercy, and me just as a dude who knows how to do wrong things really easily. All right, that, that's, there's, there's these three times, and we have to drill this into our minds because this really is what gospel, the gospel is all about. Okay, if you want to be, we talk about being saturated in the gospel. It's being saturated in the goodness of a king who died and rose again. So he's both this idea of sacrificial and loving and ultimately most powerful. Okay, and so this is really, really important that we get this part of this, okay?
this is going to catch our eye. Weak, unpresentable, immodest, all these things. And here's the deal. Um, it's, it's really easy. Justification is a simple thing to do. Like, I want to find out, well, I don't feel like I belong. I don't feel like I'm doing that great. I don't feel like this. I don't feel like so-and-so likes me. I don't feel like that person is this. You know, and, and I have to understand something that a weak and an unpresentable part isn't the same as apathetic and uncommitted. So we've talked the last couple midweeks about how our community works. We, we've talked about that, about the idea of we're not a Sunday morning church, right? We're a seven-day-a-week church. We're a relational church. We're in each other's lives in, in midweek, in small groups, right? In times of prayer, in times of fasting, is there's a fabric that's woven together, okay? And the thing about it is, is, is in that, there are times we're going to be weak and we're going to be strong and we're going to be presentable and we're going to be unpresentable and we're going to need special care and honor and we're going to need not, not to have that as well. But it's in the fabric of that, of this completely sacrificial, reoriented life around Christianity. And I, I'm afraid that oftentimes we feel like we don't fit in because I take one piece. And usually the piece that requires the least sacrifice. And now everybody should like treat me as I'm in the body of Christ. I'm like, that's very different. Okay, we're not talking about apathetic and uncommitted. There's a few things that might, might, might get in the way. That's the way my brain works. I gotta, when I'm reading something, I'm going, okay, these are good things, and I see what God is calling us to, but then there's those things in my mind and in my heart that I know this is going to get in the way. Okay, let's share a couple. The, the most joked about sin in the Bible. <laughs> right? Pride. Hey, man, I'm just prideful. Like, it's funny. Except there's one really distinct thing about pride and about making everything about me and how I want it and the way I want it and who I'm better than. God says I actually oppose those people. That's, very, that's stunning to me, okay? Because I think of if Jesus was in the room and, and I were to joke about pride, and I have before. There, there have been an irreverence to this. And I think, you know what? I, can't, I don't even know what Jesus would say, right? But I think he would be like, seriously? You actually think that's funny? You actually think it's funny to be prideful? You think it's a joke to be prideful? You think it's useful to, like, use as a weapon against people? All right? This is the thing that we can be most ingrained in. My favorite verse, this is what paints a picture in my mind, okay? John 3, verse 31. John the Baptist. And he's actually, you know, he's lost his ministry to Jesus, okay? And they're asking him all of these things, and he's going, listen, let me explain my role to you. Okay, now, now John the Baptist, this is the guy that Jesus said, among women, no one greater has been born. And John the Baptist says, I have one purpose on this earth. I have to become less Jesus has to become more. Okay, if you, want to, if you want to wrap up what humility is, it's Keith, for, Keith must become less. 
Jesus must become more. Insert your own name. Is this idea of when it comes down to how I love people, how I interact with people, how I talk with people, how I study my Bible, right? If, if the truth of the matter is if I enter into the Bible and I think I'm always right all the time, okay, there's a really good chance that there's just an arrogance there. Or if I'm surprised when I read something, you know, that I'm going, oh my goodness, I've never known that before. That's impossible because I know everything. See, that's the thing. It runs in me. That's the thing. It runs inside of us where we're taken by surprise that we aren't really equal to God. All-knowing, right? And there's this idea of this of pride and humanism and this, and, and this idea of, hey, you know what? We got church. God, I get that you, you let, let us take care of it down here. We don't really have to love this way. Man, what we need to do is we need to find a better way to get more people in the seats. No. Goodness, no. I pray that that's never our goal. Ever. That's not it at all. It's the idea of going, there's this, there's this plan that God had that's absolutely perfect. And what's crazy is we're part of that plan. And he's saying that I, I want that plan. I want the church to be in a way that when the world sees the church, we're not glorified, okay? Which that happens too, right? Like who's the greatest church, right? And who, it's all like, you know, you've got your little sign and we're the greatest and all these things. And here's what we need to rally around. Jesus is the greatest. All right, that's, <laughs> why would you fight with other ministries and churches? I'm like, Jesus is the greatest. That's what we're about, okay? Now, if you want that, if you want to go to whatever, you know, wherever you want to go to make something of yourself, then that's your choice. But here, we'll become less and he'll become more. Okay, if, you, <laughs> if you're not about that, then, you know, don't, don't come here because we make neat t-shirts or stickers or something like that, okay? Like, this is real stuff right here. This could get in the way, guys, I'm telling you. This could get in the way of us following the plan of Jesus for his church. And, you know, you got to throw in a football reference in football season, right? Got to have something in there. Armchair quarterback, is that a dated statement? I feel like I knew it, you know, when I was a kid, and some of the older folks probably know it. I don't know if you guys know that. But armchair quarterback is just the guy, you're watching the game, and you know what should have been done. I wouldn't have run that play. <laughs> I don't know what Dabo was thinking. I'd have gone in that halftime, and I'd have told him. Like, there's a, there's a reason why he's doing what he's doing, and I'm not. Like, have you ever had that talk with yourself before? Like, that's a good talk to have. Like, as the words are coming out at times, I've thought to myself, hold on, Keith, you just be quiet, okay? Man, if I, was, if I was the quarterback, you know what I'd have done? You would have fallen down and been hurt. That's what you would have done, okay? I'm not kidding you, all right? But, but here's the thing is, this will get in the way, and it's so, we can be fooled so easily into being the ones who critique and complain and I would have done this, and I wouldn't have done that, and that should have done this way, and that should have been that way. And it's really easy when, like in a football reference, when you don't have five 300-pound men trying to tackle you. It's, believe me, it's easy 
<laughs> just sit there and go, man, I can't believe those coaches. You know, I was scrolling through Twitter today, man. All of a sudden, there's people. They want Dabo fired. They want Tony Elliott fired. And I'm like, hold on a minute. Like 24 hours ago, they were the greatest guys in the world. But they changed because we think we know more. That happens spiritually. That happens spiritually. So we're going, oh, man, I don't know about that. I don't know. Instead of like, hey, let's get into God's word. Let's be together as one. Okay. These things could get in the way. So this is kind of helpful. How on earth are we going to take this forward? Like, how do we do these things? These are good ideas, but how? Right? And the no-brainer right there, if I put pride, you've got to have humility, right? We talked about John 3.31 of consistently and intentionally becoming less. Right? Philippians 2, honor others as more important than yourself. That's not a, that's not a theory, Honor others is more important. It's this humility. See, humility, humility isn't something that we try to grasp at. It's a byproduct of being close to Jesus. Okay, you can't be close to Jesus and be super prideful for long. All right, I think Peter showed us that. All right, you can be close for a little bit, but listen, it's going to come to light in a hurry. So speaking of Peter, okay, um, in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, so Peter and Jesus getting to know each other. Jesus got in his boat. <laughs> Jesus said, hey, come on out. You know, I'm going to speak in your boat. And, and Peter was the failed fisherman. He hadn't caught anything all night, okay? And Jesus said, well, here's what I want you to do, Simon. I want you to throw your nets over the other side of the boat. Which was ridiculousness. First of all, Jesus wasn't a fisherman. But you know, little did Peter know. Okay, <laughs> He's really the greatest fisherman. <laughs> he said, throw it over that side. And, and here's Peter's response. Because you say so, I will. You, you ever come upon something in the Bible and you go, that's nuts. <laughs> Why would that be in there? Why would it be this way? Why is he calling us to do this? Why is, it, why is it this sacrificial? Why is it this forgiving? Why is it this loving? And there's this passionate faith of just simply coming before Jesus and going, because you say so, I'll do it. Like, like Peter, I don't understand why you're asking me to do this. I hadn't caught anything all night. Now it's light out. It's not even time to fish. And that's deep water. I don't fish there. I fish in, in shallow water. This right here, man, how do we do it? Is we have a passionate faith that begins with this. When I'm reading the Bible, Jesus, because you say so. Like, I don't get it. Sometimes I don't get things. But because he says so. These are things that are going to fuel us in this. We talked about this last week. The elimination of hurry. How difficult was that this week? Okay. Some, some of you are going, man, it was so difficult, I didn't even think about it. <laughs> I was moving too fast. I had too, too much going on. I was too busy. Like, I didn't have time to think about what the sermon was about. I didn't have time to think about what anything like that. I didn't have time for that because there are more important things. All right, this is difficult. The elimination of hurry. Oftentimes, you want to know what? It's not that 1 Corinthians 12, 12, like this section is difficult. It's we don't stop long enough to hear it. 
to let it sink in, to actually obey it. It's just one thing after another, after another, after another. And it's just like, oh, that's great. I've read that before. That's awesome. I'm gone. I must already do it because I'm so busy. That, that, listen, that was my M.O. That's still my M.O. Like, I need people in my life that are pulling, like, the reins back on me. Because, really, my spirituality can be about being busy sometimes. If I'm doing a lot of, of spiritual things in a busy way, that must be I'm, I'm in God's will. So that's not true at all. It's the elimination of hurry. It's not a one-time thing. It's training ourselves, right, of having that time of meditation. You know, what's meditation all about? Simply this. It's prayer that leads us to obedience. It's prayer. It's, it's ruminating. It's just soaking in a section so deeply and so richly with the hope of obeying Jesus. All right? It's just slowing down. That's a good thing. That's something we need. So, you know, Tyler brought up uh, when he was a little kid. We were all in church together in Thomasville, Georgia. And I remember I became a, a, a Christian. I became a disciple in 1997. And, man, it, you know, it was just, I can't tell you the fond memories I have. I didn't know anything at all. I mean, I was... I mean, I can say this about myself, okay? I'm not, you know, but I was an idiot. <laughs> but I really loved Jesus, okay? I mean, I was raw. I, I mean, I was right out of the world, man. You know, and I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about violence, fighting, sexual morality, pornography, drunkenness, all of these things, man. This is what was my normal, like, speed. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wow, this Jesus captivated me. I'm like, holy mackerel, okay? And so, there's one thing I wanted to do. How can I serve? There's a verse that stands out to me, okay? In Luke 10, chapter 8. And Jesus says this to his guys. He goes, freely you received, freely give. And I remember one thing, and I remember hearing it from other people. Man, if we've received something, why aren't we eager to give it away freely? Like, there are people in the church, and a lot of them are here right now, before I was a Christian, that gave to me freely, that prayed for me, that loved me, that I received those things, and there's only one thing I knew. I don't know anything about the ministry. I don't know anything about, like, a church. I don't know how a church is supposed to run. I don't know. I'm just like, how can I give back? And, and, and more, you know, kind of like, how can I help people? And they were like, well, you can help with these teenagers, and I was like, you don't really know what you're asking, <laughs> okay? And it was a mess. The first teen retreat that I think we led, um, that was my first teen retreat. <laughs> I'd never been on one before. I didn't know what you're supposed to do, you know? All I know, man, is we served hamburgers that I thought was going to kill somebody because they weren't cooked. We didn't bring enough charcoal. We had a smoking section in our teen ministry, which I was like, is that good? That can't be good, right? I didn't know. You know, we got kids smoking, kids like all kinds of craziness. And, and here's the, man, you just learn. I mean, it was a mess. We had no aspiration to be paid by the church, to go into ministry. I never considered that, man. I had a dream for my life, right? And I've shared that with you guys before. I, man, I was on track to work in the NFL, 
That was it. That's where I was going. I knew I was going there. That was my dream, and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be stopped at all. Except here's the interesting thing. All right? How do we, like, cultivate a heart that's going to allow us to live these principles out simply with this idea of how can I serve? How can I pass on to others what I've received freely? How can I pass on the hospitality and the love and the prayer? You want to know what? So many people pray for me. Why wouldn't I pray for someone else? Because if, if I don't do that, all I am is a consumer. I'm just like, man, I really love what y'all give me. See you later. I'm glad I received it freely. Now let me go live my dream, right? Th this might be the thing. I'm just like, I don't even know. I just said to a guy, I'm just like, how, how can I help? I, I don't even know what to do. I mean, and then, and then the teen ministry became the teen and the college ministry. And we literally had grad students to sixth graders in our front room. That's not safe, I don't think. Okay? We had to move all our furniture out of our <laughs> front room for everybody to go in there. And I'm like, we got a 25-year-old dude and an 11-year-old kid. And we're just having a Bible study. Okay? Believe me, you're not going to read any books to do that. Nor should you. Okay? <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, what did it come from? Not from talent. Not because we were like, me and Abby were some kind of persuasive speakers or we had some kind of thing. We actually had nothing except the Holy Spirit inside of us. All right? That, that's it. We were that young. Last thing here. This is the big question. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Because this talk, you want to know what this can be? This can be a talk that could be given to any group, anywhere, to bring unity. It can be a football team. It can be a society, like, a, like a service society. It can be any of those things where you come together and you're like, guys, we have to be one. Come on, let's be one together. And, you know, it's better. And let's suffer together and rejoice and all these things. But we've got to ask ourselves this question. Why did Jesus do it? And here's the thing. This is what Jesus prayed. Okay, this wasn't just him teaching. He's praying to his father he said, my prayer isn't for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. He's talking about his, through the guys. He's sending his guys out. He, Jesus said, I'm going to pray for those people. We are those people. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. See, that's one of those ones we need to stop and meditate on. Because that concept is so incredible. He said, I want my church and my people to be one like me and you are one. That's incredible. All right, you could take, I mean, you could spend days on that. May they also be in us so that the world will believe that you have sent me. I don't think there's anyone like, I'm, let me take Clemson University. Okay, all the freshmen came in a couple weeks ago. This probably was very rare for a freshman to go, man, I want to find the place that when I go in, I'm going to go, Jesus was sent by God. Right? Generally, it's kind of like, where's everyone going? Where's the place? Who's got the best songs? Who's got the best preacher? Who's got the best facility? Who's closest? Who's this? Who's that? Who's most well-known? Who's all of these things? When the criteria should be, I want to be a part of a group that when the world sees us, it fulfills this purpose. That our neighbors 
and our neighbors in our dorms and our apartments, that our neighbors are going, you want to know what I know? I don't know about that church. (laughs) But man, it's clear Jesus was sent by God because I see how they worship him. This is the reason. And so here's the deal. I can accept that and go, that's the challenge right there. This is why all of this matters that we talked about. This is why all of it matters. And I could go, okay, man, I'm equal to the challenge. You're equal to the challenge. All right, God wasn't asking us to do something that we aren't capable of accomplishing. But it's with him in us. And do we care enough to fulfill this? Or do we walk away and we're like, church is church, man. Church is church. What's the big deal? If this isn't a big deal, that's like a major, like, rude awakening. That that's what the church should be. And I'm talking about, I don't mean a perfectly performing church, but you can be perfectly faithful and not necessarily be perfectly performing because church is messy. It just is, right? So this is what Paul leaves us with, and he says, here's the thing. Guys, every one of us can have this concern for one another. He goes, but here's what I want you to desire. Desire something greater. Instead of wanting to be like somebody, desire something greater, and he's about to get us into what that is. He's about to get us into this idea of here's what's greater is to love. And here's what love is. And in chapter 14 and verse 1, he actually says, here's your homework. Pursue love. All right, that's what we're getting into now. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit clemsonfoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.